What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. This is our draft recap roundtable. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. Happy to be joined by Mark DeLuke of Niners Nation and Xavier Dixon, also of Niners Nation. This is everybody into the pool. Guys, thanks for joining me. Appreciate you for having me. Glad to be here. All right. Let's look at this 2022 draft. And one thing stands out to me this year that I learned. I guess I always knew it, but it was kind of confirmed this year. And that is the San Francisco 49ers do not give a what you think (laughs) about their team. Oh, Debo Samuel, you want to be traded, huh? Tough. Oh, you think we need a safety, huh? We'll show you no safeties drafted. Oh, you think we need a center? Guess what? We're not taking one of those either. Like the Niners go in with their plan, Xavier, and they don't care what you think about it. Yeah. Um, my whole, you know, they need to take a safety with the first pick definitely was like it got it got it got it got thrown out the window. You know, when they when they took an edge at first, I was like, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, so I'm on the I'm on the East Coast. So when they took Drake London, I mean, I, I've I've known about him as a prospect like recently, of course, but like at first I was just kind of like, ah, just because you know, living on the East Coast, you don't really catch all those uh Pack twelve games, so I was like ah at first, but then I mean it's, it's definitely a solid pick. And then the next pick, I was just like you know safety's got to be up there because I mean I just I just didn't know how comfortable they were with the safety room. So I mean clearly they are clearly they like it. I mean clearly they love it. So I mean I, hey I don't I don't know if they're not they mismanaged it right like oh, if for they're sure, not. Yeah. You know, if or I mean, again, I guess there is the the caveat of or they're just like, look, we got Jaquaski Tart out there. It seems like for some reason, no one else in the NFL wants yeah. to sign Jaquaski Tart. So we just know if we don't like these guys, maybe we can we think we'll resign Tart for the minimum. Like maybe like maybe that's a part of it, too. Like there are a, a decent number of safety still out there. And we saw I mean, again, I thought last year someone would give Tart a, a decent flyer deal. I thought this year for sure someone would. And no one did. And I don't know what it is again. Like, if you know. Most people who follow Niners watch him closely. Like Tart's a good player. Like, and right. again, there's a there's a specific role he f- plays. Like the defensive coordinators have utilized him well. But I, I've been surprised by that. So I, I, you know, maybe that plays into it. But yeah, you know, I think this is where you know you're looking at, and they got George Odom. You know, they got Hufanga from last year, and then they obviously got Tarvarius Moore coming off the Achilles. Again, I I think, uh, you know, I, I like to think this is a, a good sign that they're 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 high on Moore. Uh, you know, upon his return, I mean, remember Moore was a third round pick and. He was a second round prospect who fell to them. I mean, he was a fringe second, third round prospect who fell to them. Um, so, you know, th- th- there's a case for three guys to be that second safety next to Jimmy Ward. But, you know, th- there's also questions about each, right? Like, like there's a case to be made. George Odom was underutilized in Indy. You know, lots of people, clo- you know, lots of people who followed the Colts said that. But there could also be a reason he wasn't used that much in, in Indy as a primary option. And, you know, the, again, Hufanga had his moments, but he also had his his misses last season as a rookie. You know, and, and obviously with Moore, it's been hit and miss throughout his career so it's it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out and and, you know i mentioned before the pod that i do wonder if you know part of it's also you know after signing Jarvarius ward in free agency that maybe you know after the past few years where it seems like the naris have been content with a kind of fringe starting spot on the outside corner, or maybe had to deal with it to be fair because of a injury, but you know, had a, a fringe starting corner, but they, they had two solid safeties. Maybe they're going, okay, this year we know we're going to have starting corners on the outside who are solid. We're going to have a, a solid backup in Ambry Thomas. Um, and, and that maybe that means we can afford to have a, a bit of a, a we can take a gamble or a risk a bit on the back end at safety because we got Ward. We you know, we have two, we have both wards and then we now have Mosley on the other side. So that's the logic. Uh, but you know, it, it, we'll, we'll see how it pans out. 
I agree with that. I think I think they are uh, high on more. I was kind of worried because you know you always hear like Achilles ACL, and it's like, is the guy gonna bounce back? Is he is he gonna get back to the to the uh, to the place where he was? And Moore was definitely a good player, but something does tell me that they're gonna try to like transfer one of these corners to safeties because I I haven't looked at the like the current corners, but I'm I know they kind of like overhauled on like a bunch of you know kind of like reserve type corners and they drafted two right yep. yeah they, they drafted one. Womack and uh Calhoun right so Castro I don't know I think it's um I think it's kind of challenging I think Don, Dante Johnson may go go to go to safety I don't know I honestly feel like <laughs> the endless I feel like I feel like they're gonna end up like kind of shifting Jimmy back to, like, strong safety and putting one of those guys at free safety. I don't know. Maybe I'm, like, just being, like, overly worried about the strong safety position, but I don't know. I'm not too comfortable with it. Well, here's what I didn't love. Shanahan was asked, like, hey, why didn't you take a safety? And before the reporter even finished the question, Shanahan starts to answer, kind of jumps on him. But his answer was just a list of everybody on the roster. And, like, that can't – I don't I really don't like well we're just going to compete and pick the best of this bad group of people you know like if you don't have a starter if you don't have one guy you can point to you don't have a starter you know the stand up comedian George Carlin said you know I've never dated a 10 but I've dated five twos those aren't the same thing there's yeah. a difference there and the 49ers have five twos right now at safety they do not have a 10 I'll push back a bit on that cuz I I think again like I think they they actually have three upside plays, right? In terms of that, George Odom is a better play. Like he was actually pretty good when he got saw the field with the Colts, but just for whatever reason, they never made him the primary option. It's like maybe he is a starting caliber safety who Indy underutilized. You know, Hufanga again had like flashes. Again, he has flaws, but that you know again he's it doesn't mean he's going to be a perfect player. But it, it you know I think you saw flashes in his rookie season when he was also playing a lot of reps on special teams. Like you saw him you know have flashes. Where you say okay maybe he could be uh you know a solid uh, a passable uh starting safety here. And then again more who who again of you know those three has the the best pedigree maybe not the NFL level but in terms of what he was as a prospect. And you know I I think frankly my bigger fear is more of that they are really reliant on Ward's health, right? And while he's been healthy the last couple of years, Jimmy Ward had some some injury stuff. And, you know, again, I don't even want to even get into like injury history as much as it's football. So it's whenever you're really reliant on one player at any position, regardless of how healthy that player has been. I mean, I'm always a little nervous, right? Like, you know, and, and, and so, you know, there is an element where like, I like all three of those guys in, in, in different ways, but if Ward goes down, now you need two of those to hit, right? Like, if you need one of those three to hit, I feel pretty good about those odds. But if Ward gets hurt, if Ward misses time, you need two of those guys, that's where you're talking about. Like, hey, do we have to shift Dante? Do we have to, you know, look at Castro Fields or, or something else? And you you just worry about the domino effects of that. You you worry about, you know, what that does to the secondary. But um, I, I, I do want to, I guess, shift to, to back to kind of talking about the top pick, Drake Jackson, because... You know, at first, and I think most, you know, I, I did the grades for Niners Nation. You can you can go check that out on the site, sort of my my full rundown of each pick. But I actually came away surprisingly positive on on the Shanahan draft. Like again, my my sort of take on Shanahan has always been like he's a a good coach with some really big flaws, and the question is whether the things he does great can overcome the things he does terribly. And and one of the things I think he's him and, and Lynch have done poorly is is managing draft pick value, draft value, and 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 handling the draft. But this was one of I thought the the better 
uh, in terms of just the value, and part of it is because they didn't have a high pick to necessarily overdraft someone, but I, I thought they did a good job of being patient, letting the board come to them. Normally, they make some trade-ups that I'm not big on the value on. They didn't make any trades this time, and, and they ended up having three seventh-round picks that I shot, thought for sure you're looking at three guys who might make the practice squad, and they ended up with three players, two of which I think have a, have a shot to crack this roster. And, you know, Brock Purdy, the quarterback they took with Mr. Irrelevant, I think you know, is probably going to be the practice squad third quarterback. Like, I I actually liked um, how this draft came together. And, you know, I've been seeing a lot of the B minus B draft grades. I think a lot of that's just limited. You know, they didn't have a first round pick. I, I gave it an A minus. And part of that was the more I looked at the Jackson pick, I was like, all right, this feels like a BB plus pick. But let me look and see, okay, who's the guy that they should have taken instead? And like, I'm like, okay, well, you know, safety here. Yeah, I guess they could have gone. But Cross and Joseph were available with their next pick. I'd argue that's where, you know, they could have got that guy. It was like, who was on the board here that, that they should have got instead? And the only name I could come up with was Dylan Parham, right? The the, the guard um, who, you know, maybe that's where they go interior line. But they ended up getting, I think, some solid alignment later in this draft. They also get a couple solid undrafted free agents. And, you know, I think Jackson was the best player on the board at that pick. And, and sometimes the highest pick is always the one with the most potential, right? And if you get that one right, you know, that, that gives you a lot of flexibility later. And I think they did a good job of hedging risk with the later round picks. You know, you, they take two corners, right? They take two offense alignment. They take, you know, guys where, yeah, at this point, we can't bet on one of these picks to be a contributor. But if we get two who have the skill set, who have the traits, we feel pretty confident that one of them can at least be a, a solid backup for us. I, I like that. I like that approach a lot. Agree. And then double down on the Drake, the Drake uh pick. Uh I think I believe like his junior year he lost like 20 pounds because of the scheme. I think he was going from like outside linebacker to DN, or I might have it backwards. No, they, yeah, they did it. He was a they moved the, they basically made him be a stand-up linebacker, so he drops 20 pounds. Right. And and then I think he had to try to gain it back because then they put him back on the line. Like it yep. was yeah, I mean USC was a mess, right? Like in oh for yeah. sure. And he's but, still just 21. Yeah, I, yeah, that was one thing I was gonna say. His age, and I, I, I do like his as his athletic profile. I've been kind of like clamoring for like a guy that can like actually bend the edge. He might not be like you know Alden Smith bend the edge or you know Von Miller speed rush type thing, but I think he has the enough athletic upside to not be like a tweener. I just been like that's kind of been one of my riffs riffs with John uh, John Lynch because it's like. All the I feel like most of the defensive and outside of Bosa are like tweeners, and I feel like you kind of run you run into that a lot with like forty three defenses, forty three defensive ends. But having a guy that does have the athletic profile to kind of get that bend around the corner is going to be huge to pair with Bosa because the tweener guys, I mean, they're great. You know, not great, but they're they're pretty good against the run. But the pass rushes, they kind of you know their pass rush wins are usually uh like coverage sacks or you know. Every now and then they'll they'll hit a pretty good move, but I just think you know pairing a guy that can really like close the pocket with Bosa is going to be huge. So if he can develop into that and then you'll get to some starter reps this year, I think that's going to be definitely some great turnout. The 49ers front is like the VIP room in a club, right? Like if you're not a top 20 pick in the draft, you almost need not apply. (laughs) Bosa, two. Armstead, I think, was like 17, something like that. Kinlaw was 13th overall. Like you got to be a high pick to get up there. The fact that Drake Jackson's going to be like the lowest pick on that front is kind of crazy. But the thing I heard, I think it was John Middlecoff say this, and I like totally agree with him. 
getting him just around Bosa and Armstead and Kinlaw. Like, I think that they kind of set the standard in that room and they don't need Drake Jackson, especially this year, right? They don't need him to play every single down. If they just make him kind of like a situational pass rusher, he's going to be singled up. He's never going to see a double team in his life. And if you can just get us six, maybe eight sacks, I mean, obviously eight would be great, but like six sacks, I feel like. Six is a good number. Yeah, like then that's a really solid first year from him. And that's that's a nice little role that he can contribute to right away, Xavier. I, I totally agree, I, and that's that's something I was gonna put. And then uh, I gotta position position how these draftees uh, impacted the position uh, their position group coming out for Niners Nation. And that was that was one of my things for him, like not transitional starter, but I think kind of like you know how that Alden Smith role was his rookie year. You know, kind of just 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 uh, pass rushing on third downs or when you know they're gonna pass, and you know maybe work them into some you know like more you know again like more early down reps and stuff like that. So. Um, D'Amico Ryans has kind of always had like a pretty good heavy rotation. So I don't, I mean, I don't think he's not going to not, not going to play anyway. Most of the time, what they're, most of the time with San Francisco's deep, uh, 49ers, I'm sorry. Most of the time with the 49ers defensive player, they, they get them in for the most part. They get them in a rotation for the most part pretty early. So I'm not, I don't really have too many worries with it. I just want them. I do want them to kind of go ahead and get out there and kind of let them learn. But at the, at the same time, it's the NFL. So you can't just always throw them out there but one comp i saw and, and i re- i liked it one for what that player like what that kind of impact would be but also um because it, it seemed to align with, with the things i was seeing in, in the film i watched but also you know for, from from the the experts who are who are better at sort of the tape grinding what they said you know i saw i think it was a did danny kelly i want to say whoever does the ringers big board had a, a comp for him as montez sweat um or sweet uh, the, the the sweat i think right the 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 commander's defensive commanders, end yeah. yeah and like i think that's uh, you know again that's not year one that's you're thinking year three right which is what was a first round pick but I, I think like that's kind of like again like sort of your your top tier second edge rusher right like your number two right like yeah. like the the you know and and when you think about like you know Remember, the Niners didn't necessarily get D Ford to be number two. They got him to be the number one, and it just they got Nick Bosa, and so he ended up getting he ended up being the number two his first year, and then the injuries kind of limited this pass rush role. Like they really haven't had that like number two guy who's steady, who's who's solid against the run, who's good against the pass, maybe isn't exceptional at either of those things. Although again, there's people who believe in Jackson's bend and and you know, he he could be that. But I, I think, you know, that's sort of I think a more reasonable thing. And the one thing too to contextualize Drake Jackson is the 11th highest pick of just the Shanahan tenure. So there is also like some context here. He's the highest pick. There's going to be the pressure that comes with the highest pick. And we should probably reel back in a bit, right? Like this is not, you know, the expectations for Drake Jackson should not be close to what they, what they've been for, for top picks of the Shanahan Lynch era, because every one of them has been a top 15 pick before now. And so like, you know, Think about the Niners' second-round picks and think about the hits and the misses that comes with that. Now, again, I, I feel pretty good about Jackson. I'd be surprised if he's a complete whiff. Um, I, I just think he's got too much bend off off the edge what he showed at SC in a really, again, bad situation. Scheme changes, the program in, in turmoil, and again, his youth and you know what the Niners have done with the defense line. I'd be really surprised if he isn't at least a rotational contributor, which again, when it's Solomon Thomas in a top-five pick, that's really disappointing. At 61, if Drake Jackson is, is 
is a, is a rotational edge player. Yeah, you're you're not ecstatic about that, but that's not a bust, right? Like like the expectations need to be adjusted here um, as well. Let's move on to the next pick, Ty Davis Price from LSU. To me, this was the most surprising pick of the draft. Like I fully expected them to go running back at some point. I don't know what Jermichael Hasty's doing on this roster. He should not make the team. Uh, Elijah Mitchell was banged up last year. He's coming off knee surgery. Shanahan has had a different leading rusher every single season. He has been the coach. I knew they were going to go running back. If you told me they were going to go running back with their second pick, I never would have believed it because they just traded up for Trey Sermon in the third round last year. So I was stunned by the move, but everything I read about Ty Davis price, I liked. And so Kyle Posey said it when we talked right after the pick was made, Xavier, like there's a legit chance Kyle Shanahan just drafted the leading rusher for this season. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, of course, like when I saw it, I was just like, just, I was just shaking my head, you know, kind of scratching my head. Cause you know, like, like we, like we said before the pod, um, like, especially when Kyle Shanahan first got there, it was kind of like, Oh, this guy's kind of like a, like a running back guru, running back whisperer. It, kinda, it, it definitely, it definitely seemed like it didn't really matter who was back there for them, for the 49ers to have success rushing the ball. And clearly the, the last two drafts were kind of shown that, Hey, they, they, maybe they aren't so great at like uh, seeing the position. So um, initially I was kind of worried because like LSU, they're not really like a wide zone team. They're kind of like, it's kind of almost the same system like Trey Sermon was coming from. They kind of run like some shotgun gap stuff, like power. Like he's kind of he's he's typically running behind a pulling guard for people who don't know. Like he's type he's typically running against a, behind a pulling guard or pulling tackle versus like wide zone is more so just like left and right. You know what I mean? I mean it's not. I'm not gonna say it's super. It's an it's an extreme jump, but I just thought that he kind of more fit. He, he kind of more find like a wide zone explosive running back, but. If KP's high on him, then, hey, I'm high on him. <laughs> this was the pick where Kirby Joseph, the safety from Illinois, and, and Nick Cross, who's a linebacker, hybrid safety, really more safety out of Maryland, they were on the board. They both go within the next seven, eight picks. And I think they went back-to-back, actually. And, like, if you grab that safety there, I feel amazing about these did the day two of the draft, the top three picks. We'll, we'll get to Danny Gray at, at SMU. And again, this gets back to what we talked about at the top of this is clearly, or at least we hope it's it's a it's a belief in Odom and Moore and Tufanga, or it's confidence that they'll be able to re-sign Tart for the minimum if those three guys don't work out, or you know, like it, it's that. And again, there is kind of a TBD on that because if they're wrong on that, that's a, that's a this is a pretty big missed opportunity because Kirby Joseph and he has his flaws. He is not. His fundamentals are, are not necessarily out there, but he's a playmaker. The dude plays the ball and like forces turnovers. And like, I just think that's the, to me, like what's been wild about the safety thing is, is Tart and Ward do kind of like what makes them such a great safety duo is also because they're very similar in terms of what they do well, but also what they, you know, they're not turnover creators in the way. And like, it's been the, it's been the major flaw for sure. And I would just love the idea of like pairing Ward with someone like Joseph, who's this long athletic safety who takes risks, like picks passes off. I don't know. That that was my sort of draft crush at, at this pick that they didn't go with. Obviously, Cross, an incredible athlete um, at, at the safety position as well. But, you know, again, if George Odom is solid or if Tarverius Moore lives up to the draft hype, um, then it's not that big of a whiff. And I, I think I was kind of like Rob, where I was like, all right, this is a running back in the third round. Not again. This is he's a fourth, fifth round ranking by guys. And it's 
Like, it's not great value. And again, it wasn't great value. Like, they probably could have traded down and still drafted. Uh, one thing I did hear that was interesting is that uh, one of the I was watching the PFF stream, and I think PFF Steve, uh, the the big dude who used to pitch for the Steve Giants Palazzola. organization, yeah, yeah, he mentioned that a coach of a Shanahan tree, uh, not on the Niners staff had mentioned Ty Davis price to him um, unprompted. Like he'd said that there was a coach who he was just talking to and he was like, what do you think of this Ty Davis price kid? So th- that suggests there was another sh- wide zone scheme that thought maybe a Davis price could be a fit there. Again, that's not, that's not a guarantee of anything, but the one thing I'll say is, and this is c- less true. I mean, this is also what I mentioned about Jackson. I think it might be more true about Davis price. Again, you're talking about a guy who was in a situation that was pretty, bad i mean lsu his his freshman year he's a really good contributor as a freshman on a national on like art you know one of the best college football teams in history that lsu national title run and then the program goes and then the program goes to mayhem and chaos these past two years and say what you want he was a contributor every year including as a freshman and you do wonder if maybe you know he was a thousand yard rusher he was the leading rusher on a team that had a Good offensive line for college football standards, but not exceptional for SEC standards. It with an offense that didn't really have a, a you know a, a super elite passing attack. Like, you know, I, I do wonder too if there's a level the Niners are betting. Look, this is a guy who came in one of the top ten running back recruits in the country, was an immediate contributor on one of the best teams in, in college football history, and then the program wasn't as good, and maybe he wasn't held to a high standard, or maybe it was just he's kind of in the position. You know, he's not getting pushed by coaches. He's not getting maximized by coaches and they say i think this guy is still the the, the top recruit um still still has the the potential of that player who was a top recruit and again this isn't drafting i was going to be an undrafted free agent he was a fourth or fifth round prospect to most people and the niners take him in the compensatory third round right so so this isn't the the super big reach however it is it is a reach like i gave the pick a d like it's not a good use of value but i am kind of with rob here where i was like the more i looked at, i was like okay this player i can kind of see it feels like is a guy who I felt like a lot of scouting reports were being limited by LSU, where it was like you were reading one player, one expert who would say terrible vision, another who said he has amazing vision, like <laughs> like every scouting report. But all of them were kind of in the same boat of he does a lot of things well. He's not a great pass catcher, but he's good at a lot of things, but maybe doesn't have a standout tool, but he's well-rounded. And that to me reads like he's a good running back who maybe was in a scheme that wasn't maximizing him and maybe was in a situation where his, you know, what makes him good, he's a sum of parts back and he was not in a situation that was going to accentuate a player that was a sum of parts player. To wrap it up on Davis Price, um, that was another thing I was kind of like, Talking about last year, like kind of going into training camp, like is Kyle Shanahan's offense to me, and I'm probably I could be wrong. Maybe I got like Rich Madrid or somebody probably has like better <laughs> sense feel for this, but to me, like everybody thinks like Shanahan's just like run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. But I honestly I feel like at times he's really like an like a really aggressive like pass like pass passer. So. I like when he got that. Well, when he when he got Davis Price, of course, I was kind of like, you know, kind of grumpy or whatever at first. But like as as it's, as it's gone down, I'm kind of been like, not oh not 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 to say I'm okay with it, but it's like, it it just hit me where it's like, okay, maybe he'll run Lance less because mm. I don't know about y'all, but that Arizona game last year, I was about to like pull my pull my eyes out my on my sockets because it was just like. One, it, he just kept doing the same QB run, and then it just doesn't—it just didn't seem like 
all the, every time he got hit, it just seemed like he was about to get hurt or something like that. You know what I mean? Lance so I was does just like, not know how to avoid the big hit. Like that's yeah, the thing is Lance is a good runner, but he like stop running like you're George Kittle, Trey. Like no, <laughs> for sure, yeah, he 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 definitely got the linebacker mentality. See, I think that Kyle had the training wheels on him, especially that in that too. first start in Arizona. He was true. like. We got to be careful with this kid. I'll run. I think he was thinking, like, if we can run a couple quarterback draws to get us into, like, second and four, you know, like second and mid to second and short, then we can really take the pressure. I think he was terrified of third and eight with Trey Lance. Now you've got to drop back. I can't do play action. And then we're like, he was terrified of that. I think when he started in Houston later in the year, Kyle had a little you know, a little more faith. He was still holding on to the yeah. back of the bike, but the training wheels were off. Uh, I also I hope- think, sorry, I think Shanahan got spooked by that first possession interception from Lance in Arizona. Probably I too. still think, cause they were throwing the ball and you remember that he is like the first plays, a, a, a drop back Lance scrambles for 50. Like they're moving awesome. the ball. And, the, and then he goes up. And the thing is, I, I will say this time and time again, it wasn't the wrong decision by Lance. It was, he's going to run. There's probably a five yard game in front of him, but he sees a guy 15 yards downfield open. But, you know, Lance is inaccurate. <laughs> like, it's not a good throw. Like, I'm not saying his feet were well set or they weren't. And, like, he doesn't execute the throw and it's a pick. And it was one of those things is, like, I think that was when Shannon's like, oh, panicked. And I think we, we got a really conservative play calling there. But anyway. Let's go to the next pick now. Danny Gray out of SMU. Uh, I think this speaks to overall the philosophy of this Niners draft, which is, I think, if you took, like, a 10,000-foot snapshot, you would say the Niners went with guys – that can do a lot of the things you can't teach, right? A lot of traits, a lot of, you know, really positive physical abilities. And with Danny Gray, of course, it's speed. The dude is a flat out burner. He he uh, isn't just a speed guy. Kyle Shanahan went out of his way to talk about his toughness and stuff. But clearly, I think Kyle looks at it like we need someone to stretch the field, Mark, and we'll teach him the other stuff. It's kind of crazy because I think Gray is the most polarizing prospect they drafted. Because again, like when I'm doing my grades and stuff, I'm looking around and it's like, I saw grades that ranged from him from third to seventh round. Like it was all over the place. And I think it was because it gets at gray is like, it's the juxtaposition of the traits you're talking about four, three, three, 40 time. And again, on tape playing like it, like looking like, you know, a potential to be a, a Marcus Valdez scantling type deep threat. Right. Also throwing showing incredible after the catch ability. He was third in the class in in yak per reception. Right. So he was really good at creating after. And I think that's what's you know pl- plays part on again the speed plays. I think there's also like Shannon's talking about the physicality. But pretty much everyone agrees there's a limited route tree at SMU. Um, there were at times it, the physicality was iffy. Like sometimes he, when he was running with a full head of steam, he'd be he'd be happy to take that contact. But when he was getting met at the line of scrimmage in some tight coverage, he didn't handle that physicality as well. And there were drop issues. And so like, you know, like there's some people like, yeah, the traits are great, but this guy can't catch. This guy can't run routes. Like he's not an NFL receipt. Like he won't get to tap into those traits and other folks. And this is, I think I more align with them say, give me the traits. I will take big plays. If it comes with some tear my hair out plays. And especially because at best, he's your third receiver heading into the season, right? Like at best, it's essentially, he's the contrast to Juwan Jennings as your third receiver, right? Juwan Jennings is your possession, your bruiser, third wide receiver. And Danny Gray is the guy I'm going to, you're going to send deep to stretch the field to open up space underneath. And so in that sense, I, I like the pick uh, a lot. I, I think it's a good fit. 
I think it does have like I think there is also a chance we're looking at them drafting a receiver next year in the third round with similar stuff and we're like yeah Danny Gray didn't have it next year like he has some big bust potential but when you're picking that this is the 105th overall pick and if you're picking 105 and I can say this guy looks like this guy has a very clear potential to be like a Marquez Valdez Scantling really good deep threat with even the potential to be good after the catch on top of that like at 105 I love that value um and, and again I, I think you know where they were picking like you know they you know they weren't going to be able to get the top receivers of this class picking where they did I thought this was a, a great grab yeah um I was kind of like I kind of you know when you're like when you're doing these mock drafts and like heading into the draft I think you get like attached to certain players you like so like I was I like I like I really like Jalen Tolbert for the 49ers you know kind of big play receiver can win down the field stretch the, stretch the uh, defense vertically and stuff so I, I'm not I wasn't bummed when I seen the uh, pick or anything I, I mean I, I wasn't as familiar with him of course but as I, as I started watching him I saw he's a yak guy you know he can he can make he can make plays with the ball in his hands and so I was like, I mean, that's a good thing. He's a little undersized, and you know, we all know in Shanahan's system, if you're not gonna block as a receiver, then you're not gonna play. So I mean, that's probably one. That's probably a glaring thing. And then I think I saw on, uh, like, well, you said it, his drop issues, and but I think on most of the scouting reports, I was seeing that like it wasn't just drop issues; they were just saying like drop touchdown. So I don't want him to be one of those guys where you know, he's got all this like athletic ability but can't catch the ball. You got to You're gonna have to catch the ball. My prediction is he'll have like four touchdowns this year and he'll have like two dropped in the end zone wide open touchdowns. I think like that's the kind of infuriating rookie season we're going to get from David. He'll have like 300, he'll have like 400 yards, like 20 yards of reception, four touchdowns, but you'll be like, he should have had another 200 yards. (laughs) It would be the ultimate 49ers thing to go from a system that gets receivers wide open with a quarterback that literally can't hit them to a quarterback that can hit their wide open receivers, but the damn receivers can't catch the ball. <laughs> no, that's for sure. But that's one thing I will give the, the Lynch Shanahan tenure. They're, they've been they've been pretty solid with their with their receiver development. I guess outside of Pettis, um, I mean, like you see what they did with Kendrick Bourne. I, honestly, I I think what they did with Marquise Goodwin, like one of his early, I don't know, was that his first year? That was first year, first year. Yeah, the thousand would have got a thousand for him for the concussion. What what he what he made like he kind of made him like a receiver one and I like back in the day I never would have thought Marquise Goodwin was like you know capable of doing that so yeah not too much I can put up put past Shanahan with receivers he 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 does usually get the best out of them Don't as forget. far as asking them to do what they can do best Pierre Garcon led the league in yards with Kyle yeah. Shanahan as his offensive coordinator so he can he can get it done for wide receivers we'll see what happens uh, with Danny Gray. Um, The next picks, we don't have to break down every single one of them. The one thing I do want to say when it comes to Samuel Womack from Toledo, the corner that they drafted, I feel like he is different than the corners that San Francisco has. The dude knows how to make plays on the ball. Ambry Thomas was awesome at getting in position, and then the ball would come, and he couldn't find it. (laughs) Yeah, he just couldn't do it. Now, he got a little better, but it was always it was an adventure out there. Yeah. Womack led the conference in pass breakups for three straight years. I love that. And this is not a big guy, but he knows how to get in position. He can play through the wide receiver's hands a little bit. I love that they recognized that this is something that we have not had, and they tried to adjust it, Xavier. Yeah, I agree for sure. Um, I think I think with his thing, or 
I think in Mark's grades, he definitely said he's probably going to be like a special teamer coming out, and I agree with that. But I think with his is, um, is he going to have the? Does he have the physicality to play nickel corner, or are they going to try him at outside corner? And I'm not, I'm not going to lie. At first, I, I think I was going to come in here and be like, you know, kind of like be down on him by his size. But I mean, I'm not like, I'm not too like scared of it. Like you, like you said, he's a he's a playmaking like pass defender, and that's that's one thing I've been kind of clamoring for too. Like, just give me a just give me a defensive back with a little bit of ball skills, just yes. a little bit of ball skills. Because, um, I I don't know if I put it in my last post, but the 49ers were like like top five and like vulnerable against like passes of 20, 20 yards or more. Mm-hmm. So we all know i think it was it was a stretch from like the packers game it was it was like a it was like a stretch of like 4 or 5 weeks where it just felt like when the ball was in the air we that just colts you, game you either you either turn your head away or just close your eyes because you knew either they were going to come down with it or it might have been pass interference or something yep it was praying the niners defense would stop being good against the run because otherwise the other team might pass <laughs> for right? sure. like that yeah, was for sure. that was there was a good 4 weeks for me where teams were running the ball in the first half and i was like why are you running the ball they'd get stuffed the war niners would get a lead and then they would start passing and the defense couldn't do anything about it the colts game was the scariest frank reich figured out all we got to do is chuck it deep and we'll figure it out yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean the titans game aj brown single-handedly beat the 49ers they just flat out could not figure that out there was a stretch there where it was incredibly dicey, but I feel like at least with some of the guys they drafted, even from, from what I've heard about Castro fields, like the bottom of the roster is not going to be like Josh Norman level players. Like we're going to have NFL average players, even at the back end of the roster, which obviously makes a huge difference because sometimes as we've seen, those dudes get pressed into service, Mark. For sure. They got a lot of, of pieces who I feel like can step in and, Give coaches, again, like piece of clay to, to mold, and we'll see what, what happens with that. I mean, one thing I'll say about Womack, too, he he is, again, he doesn't necessarily have the, the pedigree, the school he's coming from, but there are a lot of similarities to him and DJ Reed. DJ Reed was another guy who led the conference. I think he was Kansas State, led the conference in, in pass breakups his year. Again, another undersized guy. And like I mentioned, he has the speed to be an immediate contributor on special teams. Um, what the guy I want to highlight just the offensive linemen because they didn't necessarily pick them early, but I really like what they did there. Um, and, and that's honestly extends into undrafted free agency, right? You have Spencer Burford that uh, they grab in the fourth round, Nick Sakel, uh they grab in this in, the, I think it was the the fifth, right? Might have been the early sixth. But um, two players who, again, it's it's a similar situation where both are both have the traits that have been day two, well, day two potentially. I mean, day one players, if if they had a level of technique, they are not close to having. Like, I don't want to put too much projectability on them, but like they have the traits to actually be starting tackles. And again, the odds of Burford doing that are incredibly small. Zakel, I think, is probably more likely to be the developmental tackle that competes for swing tackle and maybe moves inside. But, you know, Burford is going to probably immediately slot into that guard competition. And again, we'll see how it looks. But but they drafted traits. And I like that because I think for, for many of my frustrations with the Shanahan Lynch drafts is when they've gone for the player who has nowhere to fall. Like, I think that was my, my main issue with the banks pick is he was a guard and like, he was a guard and that was it. Like there, there isn't like if Aaron banks 
whatever, wasn't able to cut it for whatever reason, if there wasn't something that had, he didn't really have a place to go. I think that's what ended up being kind of Solomon Thomas's what did him in is like he was a guy who it's like, yeah, he's probably not athletic enough to be on the outside, but he's been really good on the inside at Stanford, but he is a bit undersized. And the problem is, well, if you're undersized on the inside, if you don't have the the strength to really bully people on the inside, where you go from there. And that's kind of why I think he's ended up being a rotational player, not the impact player it once looked like. That's not what this draft is. This draft is a lot of guys who, again, Burford, Zakel, you're betting on the coaches to, to get that out of them. On, on the corner side, again, we talked about Womack. I think what's he sort of, ironically, the values are flipped. They draft Sarit Castro-Fields later, the corner out of Penn State. Castro-Fields is considered the good value. Womack's considered the reach. But Womack's the guy who will immediately contribute on special teams and probably will compete for the nickel corner starting spot um, immediately. And Castro-Fields is the guy who probably isn't close to playing immediately um, unless they move him to safety or something like that. But I think is a perfect sort of, let's get the... uh, a Kella Witherspoon type prospect, but give him a year to just practice, like not force the, not keep forcing these mid or late round pick corners into having to play a lot of high pressure snaps. Their rookie seasons where oftentimes the scheme has to get fully adjusted around them. They end up with some bad habits. Like let's get a poor, a corner with traits in here who we can just be patient with and let develop. And, and I like what they did with Castro fields. Um, and then, you know, we got, uh, you know, Rob's favorite type of quarterback in Brock Purdy, a, a, a stationary uh, backup with, with, with no arm strength. But I, I, again, I, I like it from the, just throw the guy on the practice squad. I get what they're doing here. I, it would have been funner if they take Carson strong, but I do think the chances of them being able to sneak Carson strong onto the practice squad at the end of pre, the preseason, which is one of the things I wrote about. I don't think strong's going to get to the practice squad. I think he's either going to be so hurt that he's, he's out of the league or he's going to be on a roster where Purdy's someone who they can probably essentially draft, but know they're going to redshirt on the practice squad this year. One thing I wanted to mention about the 49ers undrafted free agents. Um, I First of all, I read the stuff about the undrafted free agents, and I immediately buy in and think they're all going to be stars, which is, of course, absurd. Absolutely. Most of these people are never going to even see the field. <laughs> but the one thing I loved was they got this offensive lineman, Jason Poe, I think his name is. He's, 300, he's six feet, 300 pounds, and David Lombardi tweeted out like video of him running routes and stuff. He used to play fullback. And I'm like, this dude can move, man. I would not be stunned if Shanahan like kept him on the team as like a reserve lineman. But then in like some weird ass crazy package, you have like Trent Williams go in motion. And then you have this giant human as like your lead blocker. And they just try and like destroy people. I don't know. I He was the one guy that intrigued me. Was there any undrafted free agent, Xavier, that you were like, this person might have a shot? Um, I know when uh, Javier Vega, he, he when you mentioned like Leon, uh, Leon O'Neal Jr. like a while ago, I mm-hmm. had like I had watched him a bit. So uh, that's kind of a player that I just want to see, like see if he can we'll kind of see how he'll turn out in training camp, because. Like we said, the safety group, we, we think they're comfortable with it. So, I mean, he might have a chance to maybe even bust in there and try to get somebody's spot. So, uh, I like I like the um, – who's the center? Uh, Donovan West. Donovan, Donovan West. West, Arizona State. I, I've been hearing good things about him too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so, 
you you hit on it earlier that they definitely probably should have drafted a center. Even, I even felt like that like last year. Like when they got Alex Mack, I was like, yeah, it's cool, but like he was what like thirty seven heading into the season last year. So I was like, I mean, they they need they definitely need a guy. I just feel like getting guys under you know veterans are key. I mean, I didn't agree with it last year with Lance not playing, but I think typically when you get a guy under a veteran and can you know can that can he can learn and take stuff take bits and pieces from him i think it's always a, a good thing so that 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 could turn out just uh he could turn out to be a good player it's crazy that a player you trade three first round picks for should be more ready to contribute immediately than players right. you pick later yeah. like that's the thing right like the, get a year ahead right you you always want to get a year ahead that i think the frustration which everyone in niners nation had with the handling of the jimmy lance thing is getting a year ahead is great but the whole point of getting a year ahead is so you don't have to give up all these picks to do it. Like if you're, if you're going to do it, then anyway, but uh, yeah, Donovan West, I really like, he was another one who like, if they pick him at any point on day three, he's probably like an a pick. Like he was a fifth yeah. round prospect. I saw some that had him in the top 100, even like if they, if they'd have taken him instead of Ty Davis price, I think there's people who would have given that a better grade. Probably. So, so um, he's a guy who, the other thing about him um, is he moves well again, good athlete at the center position questions about sort of how strong he is. Again, he, he's another one. I think he played at about 290 at Arizona state. So will he be strong enough to hold up at the point of attack at the next level? But he's another one. He isn't even 21 until, until later this month. So another one you're getting young. I wouldn't be shocked. He, you said, I, I wrote it in the thing. I go, I would not be shocked if um, he's on the practice squad this year and in 2023, he's their starting center. Uh, I, I I really liked him as a prospect. They, they draft, they gave him a hundred thousand dollars guarantee when they don't have a lot of cap space. So they clearly uh, liked him a decent amount too. Um, I, I think he's a really good um, developmental pick. And I'm going to throw this in here because Rob's, you know, thinking about falling in love with an undrafted free agent. I'm falling in love with guys who are invited to rookie mini camp. And that's Calvin Turner jr. Out of Hawaii. If he makes, I'm I'm from the 808, so if y'all aren't familiar, so that's why I've seen a lot of Turner. If he ends up on the preseason roster, Turner, I'm calling it right now. He's a combo kind of right, running back wide receiver, was a HBCU quarterback who ended up at Hawaii and basically was an everything Swiss Army knife. Hawaii was a cluster bleep this season on, on offense, and so he didn't get utilized well. He was probably, if he'd come out last year, he's probably a fourth or fifth round pick, and then he just kind of fell off boards. He's the kind of guy where if Shanahan gets his hands on him, he'll have like 600 yards from scrimmage. It's just he's you put the ball in his hands. He makes things happen uh, again. He's a rookie minicamp, so he might not even be on the, the final 90 uh, when we get to the preseason. But if he's there, I'm, I'm going to that's my bold prediction right now is that Calvin Turner will make the team if he's uh, on the preseason roster. I did not even know that Calvin Turner was a human being that existed on this planet until you mentioned his <laughs> name. Uh, but OK. There's something to keep your eye on as well. So that is the 49ers draft class. Like we said, there's a couple other people there to dive into. But uh, look, I'm not going to pretend like I, you know, have been studying up on some of the dudes that they picked late in the draft. We'll find out. But I appreciate, Mark, your time and Xavier, your time uh, helping me break all this down. You made me smarter. Uh, again, you can check out Mark and Xavier's work at NinersNation.com. Guys, thank you very much for the time today. No problem. No problem. Anytime. Happy to be back when the Brock Purdy, Trey Lance quarterback controversy begins. If I have to see one more Brock Purdy, Nick Mullins comparison, like if your comparison is Nick Mullins, guess what? You wasted the pick. Nick Mullins <laughs> is a trash bag quarterback. It's, it's pick 262. I can't get too mad about it. Rate, review, follow the Niners Nation podcast network, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Don't leave us, Debo. Debo.